was the opening music to Abbott and Costello in Keep 'Em Flying, released in 1941. Actually, released just a few months before uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Yeah, it was released January 31st, 1941, and then the radio show was October 13th of 1941. It was one week after I was born, so I didn't get a chance to listen. Oh, I thought it was released in the summertime. I thought it was really just a few months before Pearl Harbor. In the U.S., it says here it was released January 31. Okay. But it may not have really reached the full market until later that year because of the way they distributed films back in 41. I remember when the films came into Lowestown, they'd take them off the Greyhound bus. <laughs> Didn't you go down and watch them do that one time? Oh yeah, well it was at a, the Gem Cafe, which was a nice place. I, I was always poking around town and the bus came in. We might have gone down to meet somebody or I maybe had to pick up something for my dad, but they brought off the, I think there were like eight canisters of film for the two theaters. Yeah, the comments that I were reading, I read a couple that said it was likely still playing in the theater when Pearl Harbor happened. So... Maybe, maybe would, that's I why I thought so, yeah. it was later in the year. Well, you know, we we, um, we got into this uh, genre of films. We were months ago, we were talking about different ways to look at films that we hadn't really done many in the past. And we decided we'd try to come up with a military comedy musical. And there aren't a lot of those around from the era when we were, when we do our podcast, the cover our podcast. But that's, that's how we ended up with Abbott and Costello. Yeah, a double feature. And the Andrews sisters. This one's available on YouTube, and it's uh, for free. And then the Buck Privates movie, I could not find anywhere to stream. So that's only available right now anyway, if you, if you order a DVD or a Blu-ray off of Amazon. To correct myself, I gave you the release date for Buck Private. Oh, okay. The release date for Keep Em Flying was November 28, 1941. So that one was just a week before Pearl Harbor. I mixed up my movies. Oh, okay. Well, then I feel vindicated. <laughs> You're right. We could do either of these. They're interchangeable films. They really are. Oh, well, gosh. unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch Buck Privates um, because I didn't want to order... A $15 DVD but I did listen to the radio show that was made from the movie and so we could talk about that and how that might be different than the movie I like that idea because now we're talking about buck privates right well we should should we do buck privates first since it came out first oh we're doing both I thought we were doing both okay well then let's okay I got them both here I just <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm not away. Hang on, I'll have another coffee. Okay. Okay, so we're, we're going to do both. Excellent. Excellent. If that works for you. <laughs> it does. <laughs> uh, wow. So, Buck Privates. Was this one of the first Abbott and Costello movies? Uh, yes. They formed their team in 1940. And so there may have been an earlier film which I they did 36 films together but I don't know what the first one was 
I do not think it was this one. They have a funny introduction to the radio play. Oh, okay. Great. And I'll look up the first film. I think you said you wanted us to do our introduction. That's probably a good idea. Yep, and you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net and on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash classicmoviereviews. And I'm Matt Johnson coming to you from rainy North Bend. And this is Bob Johnson, who's finally awake, I think, uh, here in Los Angeles, welcoming everybody back to Classic Movie Reviews and our <clears throat> review of military comedy musical films starring Abbott and Costello, Abbott and Costello. <laughs> here let's listen to the opening of this radio play because I think it's kind of uh, it's kind of fun Theater brings you Bud Abbott and Lou Costello in Buck Private. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. <laughs> Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. To a producer, one of the most gratifying sounds in the theater is what may be classified academically as the ventro-rhesus. But backstage, we have a slang name for it that I'll call the uh, tummy laugh. Past masters at producing this phenomenon are tonight's stars, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, who hit Hollywood with the force of a hurricane less than a year ago. The picture that put them over was Buck Privates, which Universal made in the ordinary course of the studio schedule. Suddenly one day, everybody on the lot, from office boy to president, woke up to the fact that gold had been discovered in Universal City. Buck Privates had panned out as a bonanza. And that's the play we've picked for Abbott and Costello's debut in the Lux Radio Theater. It's a story of life in an army camp. Some highly imaginary army camp. Where a tent flap opens and Abbott and Costello blow in with a draft. But of course, any similarity between this play and life in the armed forces of the Republic is purely coincidental. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> That was an excellent introduction. We should have him join our podcast if well, he were still around. If he were still alive, yeah. My goodness. Well, I, I liked it because it uh, puts it in the context of the studio system, and they're just cranking out these movies, like movie after movie after movie. And then all of a sudden, one of them just pops off and becomes this huge hit, and it's he described it as hitting gold. And... I wonder if that's not just a really apt description of the studio system where they're just cranking these out, hoping that one of them becomes popular. It, it, it feels that way to me as I read about it because I, I, I think the average studio of the, of the big six did something like 40 or 50 films a year each. It's about one a week. And I, a lot of times there seems to be a surprise when a film bombs or does really well. I watched one a couple days ago that was supposed to be this real big hit and it just went flat. But this one, they did it on a budget of like in $1941 of $245,000. And it grossed at the time it was initially released of $4 million in 1941. Jeez. So a huge hit. But he was right when he said it was gold. 
it kind of reminds goodness. me of what happens with uh, streaming services now because if you think about that uh, series Squid Games on Netflix, it just suddenly became this phenomenon and everybody was talking about it, everybody was watching it, and I doubt that anybody could have predicted that was going to happen. Because uh, the writer of that series had been pitching that story for like 10 years and it finally got made and it was a big success. Well, and we both read about films in the past where it was it was the same kind of difficulty getting the studio to want to make the film, and then it turns out to be this blockbuster hit. The other thing I wanted to ask you about and see what you thought is this patriotic nature of these movies. I mean, it's really like selling the armed forces, and there's a speech in Keep Them Flying where one of the commanders is really... I felt like giving a sales pitch for why you'd want to join the army. And of course, while this is happening, there's war going on in Europe. And so do you think there was some idea there of like trying to get people, keep people's minds wrapped around the fact that we're probably going to end up going to war? I absolutely think that. Uh, I've, re I've read a, a number of books about the 1930s and 1940s, Thomas Dewey's life, uh, Franklin Roosevelt, many others, and there was such a movement of uh, not wanting to get involved in foreign wars uh, in the 1930s, even up into the 1940, and there was an equal push to get the country rearm because at one point our military was like ranked 16th in the world and I think the president and the Congress were pushing to get rearmament going in the 40-41 time frame and Hollywood picked up on that because there are a number of films in the 1941-40 area that are more dramatic movies about uh, cadet uh, schools for training for uh, aircraft and all kinds of things. So yeah, definitely. I think it was a way to to build some momentum because a large percentage of people thought, you know, this is going to happen because there was also the war going on in Asia mm -hmm. and we were having really difficult diplomatic relations with Japan over the oil embargo and other things at that time. And they were fighting a war in China that had gone on since 1933. So yeah, I clearly think this was a precursor you had mentioned that both of these movies i mean they're they're almost interchangeable it, it, the two main characters played by bud abbott and lou costello they sort of just end up in the army by accident uh in <laughs> yeah, in buck privates they're running away <laughs> from a police officer and getting this line with all these draftees and volunteers and they think that they're going to be going to a movie theater show <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and they're going to be a drawing, and they're and they're in a drawing to win some prize. They're not even sure what it is, I think. And then it turns out that they're in the army. Uh, it reminds me of that song, "You're in the army now." You're in the army now. You're not behind the plow. You'll never get rich by digging a ditch. You're in the army now. You're in the army now. You're in the army now. You'll never get rich on the salary which you get in the army now. You know, <laughs> you're not behind the play. Yes. Oh, I tell you, he was right in his introduction by saying this bears no resemblance to the real military 
Yeah. <laughs> it was it was funny. I, I did locate the first film. This was this Buck Privates was the second film that Abbott and Costello did. They were signed by Universal Studios to do a stint in a musical in 1940 called One Night in the Tropics. And apparently they just stole the, f the, the picture because they did all these vaudevillian routines. And it was the, it, the one that really got it was the who's on first routine that they've done many times. Oh, sure. But you know, they give baseball players nowadays very peculiar names. You know, a lot of funny names. You know, like uh, Stinky Fields. Stinky Fields. Uh, Goofy Dan. Booby Bobber. Booby Bobber. I know. But <laughs> 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 well, let's see. Now, we have on our team, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find then, out, the guy's name. And then, uh -huh. That's what I want to find out, the guy's name. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Now, Abby, you now, want to be the manager of the baseball team? Yes. You know the guy's names? Well, I should. Well, now, you tell me the guy's names on the baseball I team. Say, Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. You ain't saying nothing to me yet. Go ahead and tell me. <laughs> I'm telling him. You look. ain't saying nothing yet. Go ahead and tell me. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know is on third. You know the guy's I'll... names on the baseball team? Yes. Well, go ahead. Who's on first? Yes. I mean the guy's name. Who? The guy playing first. Who? The guy playing first base. Who? The guy on first base. <laughs> Who is on first? What are you asking me for? I don't know. Now, wait a minute. I'm, not I'm asking you who's on first. So this was the second one. Universal signed him up for two. Mm -hmm. This one in keep them flying okay and then they went on to make 30 some other films together was the who's on first that, that was a vaudevillian routine yes. that they did before the movies right oh yeah, yeah. We, most of their most of their shticks you could have seen in a theater you know in a stage theater yeah. in the in the 30s they teamed up and that's how they got started and it's interesting that um Lou Costello, he only made one movie other than, he made one movie outside the team of Abbott and Costello, only one, in 1959, the year he died. And it's not one that we probably want to review, but it's The 30-Foot Bride of Candy Rock. <laughs> okay. I thought he'd done a couple of others without heard of it. Bud Abbott, but the write-up said that, that was the only one. Uh, they were the highest paid uh, team in movies and radio in the 40s. I mean, they were really successful. They were, I guess, like the Marx Brothers in the 30s, and then Martin and Lewis came along in a little different setup than others. But remember when we reviewed their film where they meet all the monsters? Oh, I love that movie so much. I think that's yeah. their best, the best of the 36 they did. Yeah, that's a great, really fun movie. Uh, there's another video on YouTube, if you search for Buck Privates, where it looks like they're maybe on a USO tour, and they're at an air base, and they're kind of recreating one of the scenes from the movie, I think, like real time for the, for the troops. And do you know if they had gone on any USO tours during the war? They did. I think they went on war bond drives and... Uh USO type tours they were really big into that hmm. they really got into the war effort and um, yeah if you watch if you watch routines that they do in this movie and then watch it in the in the late 40s it's very similar and then in the 50s they they were still going strong but it, it was almost like the the comedy scene was shifting and they they were sort of becoming passe in the 50 to 55 period. Those same routines just didn't click like they did. 
I can remember seeing this film in the theater as a kid, like in 45 or 46. So it recirculated itself. Oh, cool. I mean, I would have been tiny, but I can remember nothing about the film except that they were really funny. Yeah, I could see where their comedy would be able to be understood by a five-year-old, four-year-old. <laughs> yes, right. There was and, a know, funny... I was trying to think who replaced them when, when they kind of went out of circulation. Who, who came along to fill in that gap? Well, there was... Um, oh, gosh, he did those telethons. And we've reviewed... Oh, Martin and Lewis. Yeah. And Martin and Jerry Lewis. Yeah. And then there was the uh, uh, laugh-in people, Rowan and Martin. Mm -hmm. There's been a number of duos that have, that have clicked, in, but not over the space of time that they were, that Abbott and Costello were so popular. Yeah. I still love watching the films, even though they're... <laughs> like you say, as this, it takes me back to being five years old, and I'm laughing. So it's, to compare the radio play to the movie, so the radio oh, yes. play, I felt like was a series of vignettes of their skits, basically, like strung together with a little bit of dialogue, and a very thin plot of them being in training camp, you know, drafted into the army. Is that kind of how the movie was, too? Oh, yes, yes. It was very much that way. Now, the movie added a little bit of a romantic triangle with three other actors. They were Lee Bowman as Randolph Parker, Jane Frazee as Judy Gray, and Alan Curtis as Bob Martin. And Bob and, and Randolph both fell in love with Judy. Randolph was the very wealthy son of a of a hugely wealthy man, and he didn't really want to be drafted, brought brought into the army. He thought his father could get him off, and his father told him, "Forget it, you need to do this." Whereas Bob Martin was kind of the handyman, chauffeur, the everyman. So they added that drama. Well, that was in the radio play too, but it it, it didn't feel like it was as important as maybe it would have been in the movie. I don't know. And I don't well, think they I, had the music in the radio play as well, so I kind of missed out on the Andrews. Shut the windows and lock the door. While a crowd of things a little brown jump up on me, brother with a solid If my father were alive, bless his heart, he would say to us, they are the best musical group I've ever heard. So I looked <laughs> up their background, and it makes sense, because he was born in Minnesota, and, and three guesses on where the Andrews sisters were from. Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in the same time frame, they were... They were born in 1911, 1916, and 1918. My dad was born in 1902 and mom in 1912. And they were in Minnesota a lot. So he loved he loved their music. I mean, I remember one time after the war, we went to Yellowstone Park in 1948. And we had a cabin near Old Faithful that we rented. 
And one night, he, uh, dad, mom said to Carlene and Bill and I, I said, you're going to have to be on your own because we're going over to the Old Faithful Lodge to the Andrews Sisters show. Oh, my god! To this day, I think he scheduled that trip just so he could go hear them in person. Oh, for sure. At the lodge. For sure. And that's all he talked about. The next day was the songs, the, the boogie-woogie bugle boy and rum and Coca-Cola and on and on. And I mean... Remember when we took that road trip and you had to listen to the carpenters endlessly to where you were going crazy? He was, yeah. he was the same way, but it was harder because you had to use a record. In the car, it was safe because the radio might not have played them. Oh, man. But That's, at home, oh, boy. What a great story. Yeah. I've never heard that story before. That's cool. He loved the Andrew sisters. Laverne, Maxine, and Patty. I bet he was up front. He was probably in the front row, you know, got there early. I bet, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Just like Grandma at that comedy club. We had to sit right down by the stage so he could, so she could participate in the, in the routines. He was probably singing with them. Mm -hmm. Maybe not up on the stage, but... Uh, Anyway, that, yeah, they, I love their music even today. You can get it on, on different streaming services. And they were active until 1967. Wow. I didn't realize yeah, that. 19, I think they started their career in 1925. too they they uh they had such close harmony which is really hard to do were they really sisters yes oh yes okay yeah their their mom and dad were all uh Oli and inga or so i mean almost they're very scandinavian mm -hmm. i can't remember the name of their mom and dad but uh that was a connection i didn't really find out about until i was looking up but privates that uh, they were from Minneapolis and my dad probably saw them as a 20 year old he probably made trips from Duluth to Minneapolis just to <laughs> see them or in those days they would tour around the countryside I remember, I remember mom saying that another time in Minnesota mom and dad went to see Lawrence Welk in person at a big pavilion that's cool. Yeah, he, he had a special place in his heart for the, the Andrews sisters. There's not a lot of clips on YouTube for Buck Privates, unfortunately. Um, but I could maybe find something from the radio play here. Oh, please do. I, 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 Lux Radio Theater was a Monday night staple in our living room growing up. They always did excellent one-hour presentations. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how do you like the game so far? It's good. Uh, you like it? Never played it, huh? No, sir. Mm. All right, well, what do you want to shoot for now? Fade that. Keep right. your hands to yourself. Yeah, now, what do you mean, fade well, that? Don't slap me in the face. Thought you told me you never played this game. Well, it ain't a bit nice. Now, keep your hands to yourself. Just a minute, I, thought... I don't like it, that's all. You told me. Yes, you better not like to slap me in a push. Just a minute, you told me you never played this game. I never played the game before, and that's that. And now, keep your hands where they belong. Where did you get that fade that? It just come to me out of thin air. What do you mean out of thin air? I just thought of it and I said it. Is it wrong? No, it's too darn right. <laughs> Are you sure you never played this game? Yes. I'm surprised at you, Smitty, for you even to doubt. Doubt! All right, I did. All right, never mind. Doubt! All right, I'll take another chance. Hey, uh, roll them out. Go ahead. Forget about it. Seven hey. you in, grab you. Same thing. And I want to remind you what's wrong. Now, keep your hands to yourself, because I don't like that. Don't make those remarks. I don't like them. You can kick me. Don't slap me. Never mind. I'll use my own judgment. Go ahead. Thank you. Go ahead. I throw them out again. Throw them out again. Seven again. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky. Yes. Uh, well, I guess it's beginner's luck. Yeah. All right, so What do you want to shoot now? Uh, let her ride. Wait a minute. <laughs> just a minute. Just a minute. I'm telling you, I'm keeping it yourself. I don't go for don't that. Don't give me that. Now, come on. Now, speak up like a man. Now, boot me around, but don't slap just me. Just a minute. Now, don't I don't go for that. Don't tell me you got I'll that. I'll quit the Army, sir. Just a minute. Don't I resign. I quit. You can't quit. I had a better offer from the Navy. Now, wait a minute. Just a minute. It just goes on like that for a few minutes. You know, it, it's it's the the nice thing about their comedy is it's uh, it's PG rated mm-hmm. all the time, all thirty six films. So they could have put all thirty six of them on television or radio. I love the ending of it because it all turns out perfectly. Randolph and Bob are accepted to officer officer training school. Judy <laughs> is going to join and be a hostess at the canteen. And Smitty and Herbie, Bud and Lou, <laughs> accept Colin's invitation to shoot dice, but Herbie ends up losing his pants. And <laughs> 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 that was a good scene. You did, they couldn't capture that on the Lux Radio Theater. But, you know, it's just, it is what it is. It's just a really funny kid's Type well, film, and, and, I, I guess I, I, and that way, I guess I'm still a kid because I still find it hilarious. Yeah, and the other, the thing that I like about their comedy is it's it's fast paced. It, it, sometimes I'll hear something, and it'll take just a beat for me to realize what what they'd said, and then I'll start laughing. You know, yeah. <laughs> yes, this dice game is a good example because supposedly Herbie has never played dice before but he knows all the terminology like let it ride and yeah. <laughs> smitty's like wait a minute what are you telling me you never played and yeah it's that's a good example of their comedy i think that's a i think that dice game bit is a fairly well-known bit of theirs as well yes so. they have a lot of those over the life of their careers together i just think it's a fun movie i i, I would give it a seven it's never going to be a serious plot. It's like you say, it's a series of sketches kind of loosely tagged together with a story. Not unlike some of the musicals that we've reviewed in this last sort of series totally. of films. Totally. But uh really seals the deal for me of the Andrews sisters. <laughs> Just and like the memories dad. of my dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would give it a seven as well. It's very entertaining. Uh, the radio play is anyway... And what about your A through F scale on relevance today? 
I, I, I give it a B plus because I, I wish there was more of the comedy like they had now. It, it's like it, it, it's aged, of course, but uh, I miss some of that in today's comedy. I don't, I don't get the same kind of laughs out of a lot of the things that that I watch. Uh, so I, I, I think it holds up pretty well if if you if you set aside the era that it's in and and uh, all that. So, well, the other thing I, I think would bring mine down a little bit. Sadly, there's little or no diversity. Yeah. In the cast or the or the themes of the film, in keeping with that period of time. So that would probably move me back to a C or a C plus just because of that. I, I really forgot that for a minute. So almost the same plot except now we're flying planes uh is keep them flying and that also stars martha ray and carol bruce and william gargan and dick foran i was reading about martha ray she was a really popular singer at the time oh very much so she's a, a montana girl oh cool. we were always talking about martha ray my mom uh would would uh, talk about her yeah and she's very funny yeah she was hilarious she could be very funny she was for me she was the best part of the movie especially that diner scene when it's her and her twin sister so she plays two roles in the movie <laughs> yes. and one, yes. one of the sisters is really sort of easygoing and laissez-faire and the other sister's more like buttoned up and don't worry about it hiya fellas where you have how do we go again? Do I have to write it down for you? Oh, smart guy. It's... Hey, you're kind of cute. No, never mind that. Where's my turkey sandwich and cup of coffee? Turkey sandwich, cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's for you. Hey, Planky. Hmm? She gave me the cake for nothing. That don't mean we're engaged, does it? Oh, certainly not. Too young to fall in love. Love. Here's your turkey sandwich. Thanks. I, I'm sorry I took so long. Oh, that's all right. I, I hope you enjoy it. Well, I will. Oh, uh, that'll cost you 10 cents, please. Hmm? You just give it to me for nothing. Oh, I'm sorry. There must be some mistake. Indian giver. Do you like cranberries? Oh, sure. Oh, I do, too. That's funny. I'll, I'll get you some. All right. <laughs> I thought she liked me. What do you mean? <laughs> Why should she like me? Quiet. We ain't got no more turkey. Huh? What's the matter with the cake? Why don't you eat the cake? I lost my appetite. Well, is there anything else I can do for you? Yes, there is. What? Is there any way you can sneak us through the gate? Well, it's, a, it's against the rules, but um, the guy's a friend of mine. I think I can kind of fix it for you. Now she likes me again. <laughs> what is this? Wait, I'll go get my hat. Come on, eat the cake. It's on me. What did she chew, tobacco? No. She only went like... I got oh, it. drives a horse. Well, it's quite easy to take. Okay. Here's your cranberry. Thanks a lot. That's good. Mm -hmm. I said that'll be ten cents, please. You just give me the cake for nothing when you want to get your hat. Hat? What hat? When you said you was going to sneak us through the gate. I never told you I was going to sneak you through any gate. First you tell me I can have the cake for nothing, then I can't have the cake for nothing. Then you say there ain't no turkey and then there is turkey. Then you say you're going to sneak us through the gate, now you're not going to sneak us through the gate. Why don't you make up your mind? How dare you yell at me? 
And of course, the more easygoing sister ends up with uh, uh, Lou Costello, and the more kind of buttoned up one ends up with Bud Abbott's character. I think the plot's a little bit better in terms of that double character of, of Gloria and Barbara. Yeah, I think the plot... There's more of a plot in this movie, I feel like, a little bit. Um, there's this idea that... Is it Charles Lang's character? Has had this kind of accident or issue with flying in the past, and now he won't He won't be able to... He's not able to fly solo, and so they're trying to get him past this, and William Gargan's character is sort of the, the pilot trainer... Yep. And Dick Foran is like a stunt pilot from a carnival show. So they don't really take him seriously, but he's a really good pilot. And then there's a kind of a love triangle a little bit with Carol Bruce, but we find out that it's really not because uh, Charles Lang and Carol Bruce's characters are brother and sister, so it was just a misunderstanding. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's some fun scenes... Oh, and there's a funny scene with a a, goril- a man in a gorilla suit, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was used so often in some of these '40s comedies. Yeah, one of my favorite scenes is the when they when they go to the carnival and they go on that that water ride and they have that song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but here's some music from the. I'm looking for the boy with the wistful eyes. Oh, I adore the boy with the wistful eyes. We met, and for a second, his lonely eyes beckoned. Then the chance was missed. I passed the boy I should have kissed. Though I don't know what color his eyes may be. I can't forget the way that they looked at me. And now, all alone, through two wistful eyes of my own, all I'm looking for, I realize, is the boy with the wistful eyes. I was thinking about the set for that was pretty elaborate. Um, Yeah. I was looking. I just looked up. The budget for this film was double what it was for Buck Privates. Jeez. And I think it shows on the screen. I think in my world, I, I see the executives at Universal saying, "You know, that we got a hit on our hands with Buck Privates. Let's really beef up the next story, and we can even do better with keep them flying." Because yeah. they brought in William Gargan and uh, and uh, Dick Ferran. They were they were both popular at the time and then Martha Ray was on the ascendancy and all the the planes and and they had a very large cast of uh, yeah. extras to make it look like they were on a airbase and uh, there was quite a few practical stunts that one with the torpedo where they pull the pin and start the motor up and then they're riding right. around on the torpedo <laughs> yeah right <laughs> The thing about those stunts in those eras, those were real. They had to do all that real time. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. There was there was no there was no way to to uh, do that on any kind of a uh, not real s- 
uh, scenario. Well, they had oh, the rear you. projection so that when uh, Bud and Lou were riding on it, you could tell it was reprojection. But then they had another scene where the torpedo went under this bridge and then into this old cabin and blew up the cabin and that was yeah that's that the one real. that gets me yeah wow. they really blew that thing up <laughs> it reminds me that that uh, b-17 that lands in 12 o'clock high and it lands and crashes through that house and all yeah and they paid the pilot forty five hundred dollars to do that real time oh my gosh for that yeah. film yeah i i think i would have asked for more <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Well, and this movie ends with a bang because they have this uh, scenario where they're practicing jumping out of a airplane with parachutes, and one of the main characters gets hung up in the plane. Like, his parachute gets stuck on the tail of the plane, and so he's dangling from the back of the plane, and, and then our hero, uh, played by uh, Dick Foran, goes up and does some amazing flying and, and gets him down and I thought that was pretty exciting it's a it's a fun film and again it came out literally about a week before Pearl Harbor it was released of course they didn't know when they released it I have here a note that says it was released on November 28th 1941 yeah that's what you said yeah wow. here's a clip where They've been sort of practicing on how to fly a plane in a plane that had the engine removed from it. So it was just <laughs> it was just them goofing off in the plane, really. And then they're going to do this again. I guess they had downtime, and this is how they entertain themselves. But it, it turns out that the engine had been put back in the plane, and uh, hilarity ensues. Okay, boys, she's all set and ready to go. There's still plenty of life in the old plate yet. You're telling me. Now, come on, Heathcliff. I'm going to give you another lesson on how to fly. Good. You know, Blackie, I'm not afraid anymore. No? No. Flying this plane without an engine, that's a lot of fun. Ah, you can't fly this plane off the ground without an engine. I know. That's why it's a lot of fun. All right, come on, put this on. Okay. Go ahead. It's going to be a little too hot, so I don't think I'll eat that. All right. Get up here. There we are. Okay, that's the boy. Oh, push. Look how brave I get up now. I, I don't even ask to come... That height gets me. No, 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 no. You see, you're starting it all over. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Right, go ahead. Get in. That's the boy. Now, don't forget what the instructor told you. Yeah. Well, he didn't tell you, but he told the rest of the boys, and we heard him, didn't we? Yeah, he said, first you got to turn on the switch. Hey, put your hand on the start over here. That's right. Hey, Blackie. What? What's that noise? Oh, that's one of those planes over there. Oh. Pay no attention to that. You enjoy yourself. Sometime fool forgot to put the brake on. Well, put it on. Stop shaking the plane. Shaking the plane? practically running over everybody and running the plane all over the grounds of the airfield and then they take off and Lou Costello 
still doesn't realize they've taken off, so he's going to get out of the plane, and then he's standing on the wing and looks down and realizes they're like a thousand <laughs> feet off the ground. Well, you know, the, the, the nice thing about this film, too, is that for his heroic actions, Jinx is reinstated and wins back Linda's affection. Yep. So they wrap it up with a nice bow. Yep. At the end. And it was, again, a very popular film. I read where in the space of 10 months, Bud and Lou made four films. Jeez. That's a lot. That's a lot of activity. Yeah. Well, uh, okay, so what was your rating on Keep Them Flying? I would give it uh, one, I'd give it an eight. A, one step higher than Buck Privates because I think it has a better story. And I'd go now with the same C or C plus in terms of how it would hold up today, mainly because of the diversity that is lacking. Uh, but it's a film that I don't think anybody could try to reproduce today. I just it's a it's really clearly of its time. It's oh, like yeah. a museum piece. Yeah, for sure. Here, let's listen to this for a second and and kind of. I think it's informative for the movie and kind of gets to what we talked about earlier. So they're on the airfield and the commanders are coming in and doing an inspection. By your presence here, you have indicated your ambition to become a part of the greatest air force the world has ever known. I congratulate you upon your decision. In point of years, the story of the Army Air Corps is a brief one, but it is also a distinguished one. Your training of 20 weeks here will be an exacting task. But when it is completed, you will go on to advanced training in the Army's West Point of the Air. When you graduate, you will be commissioned in the Air Corps of the United States Army. One word of warning, some of you men won't make the grade. But being washed out as flyers needn't mean that you're out of the service. There are other jobs in the Corps that are just as important. Aeronautical engineers, observers, navigators, meteorologists, photographers, and a host of others. Remember, for every pilot that hits the blue, it takes many other highly trained men to keep his ship in shape, on its course, and properly manned. Those men are the backbone of the Corps. So I got to put myself in the mind of somebody who's sitting in the theater <coughs> and it's like, the weekend of or the week after Pearl Harbor and they're thinking about that and realizing that we're now at war and then they go to see this movie to kind of escape from maybe all that and and then they get this speech and it's 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 a pretty powerful feeling about what was going on in the country at that time and and I think it's another really good example of like a historical document and really an interesting exercise to try to put yourself in into the shoes of somebody watching it right after learning about Pearl Harbor. So on the entertainment scale, I give it maybe a seven, maybe an eight, but I think it has value to watch it from a from that more historical perspective. And I, I actually enjoyed it more thinking about it that way so that's my thoughts. i agree with you i, th I think it it's it's a, a picture of of life 80 years ago when we were about to embark on the on a, on a catastrophe 
in terms of the size of that war, which was all over the world. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And it's also really funny, and there's some great singing and dancing, and uh, the character uh, played by Martha Ray is hilarious. I, I just love her is. character. So that was Buck Privates and Keep Them Flying with Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, and you've been listening to Classic Mover Reviews, and coming to you from North Bend, this is Matt. And here in Los Angeles is Bob wishing everybody happy movie watching. So glad you're safe. How do you think I feel about it? Heathcliff, please don't go up in the air anymore. Don't you worry, Gloria. If I live to be a million, nobody will ever get my feet off the ground again. Let me know. <laughs> You're going to send me some I'll, dental floss. Send, I, no cost. It's free shipping. <laughs> God. Uh, we bought so much stuff from Amazon. You know, it's like we're afraid to go anywhere else. I know. There was a while where we, we were getting a delivery every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was bad. It's, it's, um, it's unbelievable. Oh, God. I think we did most of our it's, Christmas shopping online so we just had so many deliveries yeah there was one time not 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 now but a few years ago when we were remodeling we came home from someplace we had nine boxes on our front porch you could not get in the house <laughs> and the neighbors the escovitos because there was no room on our porch the delivery person gave them a rolled up rug that we were going to put in our <laughs> living room. So we get all these boxes inside, and here come Pete and Juanita. Now, Pete is at least four years older than me, and so is Juanita, and they're carrying this carpet from next door. And the image I had in my head is, this is a guy whose band played for President Obama in the White House. <laughs> and he's carrying over my carpet. I felt like such a louse. <laughs> He's just a nice guy, though. He's very nice, very low-key, <laughs> except when he gets on the instruments. Oh, boy. And all of his family are uh, are big musicians like Sheila E. and others. Yeah, that's, that's You so can tell funny. when she comes to visit, she's <laughs> she lives about a mile away. Whenever she's there, she shows up in the biggest Lincoln SUV you can get. Nice. White, brand new. It's the thing is, you could hold nine people in it, and she gets out, and she's not really very big. It just <laughs> looks funny to see her get out of this. Well, that's like when Tim would drive the suburban. You know, it's like this gigantic <laughs> car. It's the biggest car you can practically buy, and <laughs> you have to have a ladder to get in it. We had a little drama here because um, our Nancy's sister had her. Honda Civic stolen. Oh no! And apparently, that's the number one car for theft. The chances of getting it back are remote. It's probably already been taken apart and shipped. Yeah, that's somewhere. what I told her on the phone. She didn't want to hear that. I don't blame her. 
Shoot. I had a real nice note of things that have been going on, and I must have thrown it away. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's everything. But don't forget, let me know if you want some uh, dental floss, eh? <laughs>